what's up guys <laughs> we've we've lost our mojo we're back we're back surprise <laughs> hi i'm maddie and i don't have a hobby hi i'm Haley, and i have too many hobbies in nope. this podcast we're talking <laughs> mental health no that's not yet right what do you say and I want to get her hooked on just about anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I say. It's and funny because like whoever's listening to this already heard it. So they know exactly what it is. And we're just clueless. No, I'm not going to put it in. I'm just going to put this in. No. We're talking Enneagram. <laughs> oh, we're talking science. <laughs> <laughs> and just about everything in between. Ew. Let's never talk about anything again. <laughs> In hopes that you too would like to become average, average girl, average but honest, average but honest. You added a third one. Oh. Yeah, there wasn't three. Yeah, um, that feels very 2020 of us. What? This the intro. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah. So we're back um maddie where how do we begin to explain what our hiatus oh well you see when was our last one october yeah probably something like that well here here's the reality i got engaged i was in the thick of planning a wedding Haley's in a serious relationship and really heavily considering moving her whole life. So with those two things combined, it's just a whirlwind of mental capacity that we no longer had. We did not have it. Um, we considered, well, okay, I shouldn't even say we considered. We tried to record a whole episode and then we messed up everything and all of our tech, everything, because I was moving then. I was moving my whole life. Do you remember this? Yeah, we tried to do like a farewell episode. Yeah. Like in January when she was leaving. Yes. And so it was going to be like, hey, we had a good run. Bye. This was fun. Here's a little like, see ya, sayonara. We're out. Yeah. But, but we've You're- since rekindled our, uh... honestly, I just missed it. Yeah. I mean, for one, it's a great, not that we need an excuse to chat, but it's like a fun set aside time of like quality time in a way. It's like a little date night. Especially because I'm bad at long distance friendships now that we're in a long distance friendship. Yeah, you're worse at it than me, but I'm not like a gold star. No, I think you are pretty good at it though. Thank you. I'm well, just not the kind of person that's like, oh, I'm going to call someone on the phone and just like chat. For, I don't know why I, I don't know sometimes I am maybe but still I'm not great at it so having like a good time for us to just like sit and chat is 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 probably good so this is actually yeah. more for me and you than it is for anyone else yeah I think so too <laughs> and the everyone else part surprisingly gotten a couple comments like oh kind of bummed it's over like I wish there was more content and I know people were really harassing you about it at your wedding which we'll talk about in a second. People were harassing me about it at your wedding because they were like, well, then what happens to the podcast? I, I don't know. And honestly, I, I didn't think I was going to miss it as much as I did. And then I got here and I realized I still wanted to do it. So we're going to, we're not going to be as frequent as we probably were at one point in our, in our heyday, but yeah, we're thinking like once a month. Well, we said every other week, but you know, once a month work. Oh, we did. <laughs> I don't care. In my head, I was like, we can do once a month. I mean, honestly, I don't think we have to have like a schedule. That'll be the cool thing. Yeah, I guess that's true. Okay. Well, yeah, we're we're like a little bit back then. We're partially back. We're kind of back. Yeah, kind of back. So you're a married woman. Yeah, we're, we're, I was just going to say, we're going to do a little catch up, which is so dumb to narrate. Like it, it would have been better and more natural to just do it. And now we start our little catch up. <laughs> And now, and now? <laughs> commence our seven minute catch up. That's true. We are time. Well, I guess we're not really timed because we didn't start timing it, which is def- in the definition of timing something. 
literally so dumb that we didn't. Anyway, yes, I am a married woman. It's been over a month, which is crazy. That's so bizarre. It's bizarre. And I still have moments, you know, like when you're done with school and it's summer and it takes you like two or three weeks to really realize that you don't have homework anymore. Yes. That's what it feels like. In my brain, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to like schedule something or like follow up with somebody or like I have another layer of planning to do. Nothing. It's over, baby. And it just like, it was here and it was perfect. And then it was gone. It was, it was the most streamlined wedding. Like we really didn't have any like big conundrums of like, we have to hurry up and figure out what's going on. Well, here's a funny part though. So yes, the wedding was like literally perfect. Like all the planning came together. Amazing. I hope this is going to be what I think you're going to say. So I am, the way that they had it set up at the venue, because it's like kind of on a hill, if I would have walked from where we got ready to where I was going to walk down um, the aisle, you would have been able to see me walk down the hill. Like Corey would have been able to see me. So what they do is put you in the car and they drive you down. And then you are behind like two big doors that they open when it's time to walk down the aisle. So I'm in the car with one of my maids of honor, maids of honor, uh, Maddie. And the owner is the one who's driving the car. And he leans over to me again. I'm like minutes from walking down the aisle. And he goes, do you want to know something funny? And I was like, uh, sure. And he was like, well, it's funny now, but it wasn't funny 20 minutes ago. And he was like, the officiant was missing until like two minutes ago. And I was like, what in the world? That's my uncle. And he was like, okay, well, your uncle was nowhere to be found until until like two minutes ago. So what's funny is that everyone knew that except for you as it was happening. Everyone was trying to keep it from you. We were like, oh no, we have so much stuff we still have to do, Maddie. Like we have, you have to like wait another five minutes and take more pictures in the dressing room. As really, we're just like stalling time because your officio wasn't there yet. I know. And I found out later that my sister called him like a million times. I was like, where are you? And he was like, I'm on the way. Yeah, that was a 1,000% of situation that we trusted. Everyone was like, Allie, handle it. (laughs) Yeah, which honestly, it all worked out because I would have never noticed. And pretty much every wedding that I've been to is always pushed back a couple minutes. Yeah, I don't, I mean, granted, I wasn't sitting out there, but I mean, I would have, I didn't feel like we were, had them waiting for a really long time. And it wasn't like 30 minutes later. No. It was like 15 minutes we pushed it back like 15 minutes. Yeah. I don't even think it was that much. Was it? I don't even think it was either. I don't know. I don't anyway, know. That was like the only hiccup is that he was running a little late to get there, which yeah. I don't know if they got lost or what, but it was kind of in the middle of the nowhere. So, but other than that, everything was perfect. Like, and I didn't realize this until after, but our DJ was awesome. Like I didn't have to worry about the music all day. And I didn't really realize how many elements of music there are. Yeah. It's like your bridesmaids, your family, you walking down the aisle after you kiss and you're walking back down the aisle, all of your cocktail hour, the entire reception. And the fact that I never even thought about it was just like so nice because that's one thing that can go wrong or weird and you always notice it. Yes. You don't don't notice when it's good because it just... (laughs) But you notice it when it's bad. Like I've been to events or like other weddings where I'm like, ooh, like, yeah, like not my mind. Yeah. So that was like such a relief. Oh yeah. It it was literally, it was very seamless. I feel like everything went, went well. So Corey cried the entire day. Whole whole time. And that was not, that was truly the only point that I lost it for some reason. I don't know what it was about hugging Corey, but for some reason it was right before he walked down the aisle. And I was like, I don't know what it did to me, but I was like, I shouldn't have done that. I literally couldn't, I couldn't stop after that. Uh, I looked like I was in pain the whole time I was up there. I'm like, did you get all of your wedding photos back? Yes, but we haven't gotten the video, which I'm really excited. Oh for. God, that's going to be that's going to be brutal to watch. I think I'm just going to cry my eyes out. I know. I'm a real wedding crier. I am too. Well, I'm just kind of a crier. Well, yeah, you don't have any kind of distinction there. Well, 
And the thing is, is Corey's not really a crier. Really? I mean, no, like occasionally if we watch a movie, he'll shed a tear. Hmm. I guess I just think of Corey as a crier because I see him mostly in context with you and with you, he's a crier. Hmm. Yeah, he's definitely real soft with me. When we did the first look, I could hear him crying before I even touched his shoulder. So you could hear him crying? <laughs> soft sobs. I could, I saw his hands like around his eyes and his nose and I could hear him like. <laughs> oh like, my God, this man. Well, at least we know how he feels about you. I know. I guess he was really like kind of quiet and stoic and emotional all morning. I was kind of playing it off like (laughs) no like in our get ready room I was like trying to act normal because in my brain I was like if I don't act normal and I act nervous or like excited and like weepy I'm gonna lose it and I won't recover that's true there was yeah there wasn't really a comeback time and in my you were very composed and very like productive of like okay these are the things that we need to get done next on my list of things to do kind of like in a way that was like I'm I actually can't just sit here and get emotional about it right now I just have to like do something so I can get on with it yeah but we also had like a long enough morning that I got to like sit down and like hang out and like oh yeah it wasn't rushed no which was really nice because the rest of the day went by so quickly so fast oh my gosh whenever he said it was the last song I was like is this real life hello I know wild um well you moved to dc i moved to dc since the last time we recorded which feels bizarre that we've recorded like in october that feels like that was not that long ago but yeah since then i moved at the end of january so i'm in dc now um feels very bizarre i did come back from eddie's wedding so weird and we both have new jobs we both have new jobs things have really what's happening i've had two kids since then (laughs) um oh yeah oh so for those of you that may have been listening for a while we had our episode that was uh maddie interviewing um do we trust this man do we trust this man she was interviewing a a hinge date of mine turns out we did like him um he's now been my boyfriend for five months (laughs) how crazy wild so shortly after we recorded that cody flew down to florida um we had a great time we were like oh okay we're we're gonna do this I went up to him for Thanksgiving and then we've been together ever since and he also lives in DC and he lives in DC we we were planning on moving here and by we I mean me I was planning on moving here prior to him existing yeah DC was like always end game for you and that's why when you started dating a guy that also lived in DC I was like great this is awesome for me. This is just gonna make this turnaround even quicker. Yep, and it did. It really expedited the process. So, um, I have a cool job. I um, yeah, things are going well. Yeah, well, for the most part, it's been a chaotic. It's just a weird adjustment. So, it, you might hear like my, I I live in like a basement apartment, so the upstairs neighbors like walking around can sometimes be loud, or you'll just hear some sirens. It'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, just that's just DC though. Yep, this is just the life I live. So it's been well, kind of fun. I'm happy for you, even though I'm sad. Um, I'm also happy for you, even though I'm sad. <laughs> Why are you sad? Um, because I'm not with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sad and yes, I'm mad that Corey got you and I didn't. <laughs> We're gonna live. We never have lived together, first of all. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then you yeah, just- but that doesn't mean I can't be jealous that he gets to live with you. That even makes me more jealous. I never get to live with you and he gets to live with you forever. Yeah. Now there's no chance we could ever live together. Well, yeah, unless you come visit, but that's just a visit. I don't think we would like living together though. I don't think we would either. And I think we always knew that. Yeah. That's why we never did. Otherwise we probably wouldn't be friends. Yeah. But I love when we hang out because we're always excited. Yeah, I think that's that's the element we would lose. Yeah, we're like really good meet up and be excited and like catch up. Like we'll have to catch up again. <laughs> but when we catch up, we like hoard information 
that we don't text each other throughout the day every day like we're not those friends we're not like oh let me text you my play-by-play of what happened and why I'm upset at this one person for saying this one thing we'll like hoard the information and then be like okay so this happened this day this happened this day and then I had a breakdown about my childhood trauma and I figured out this about myself you know like yes that was always our friendship which I loved yeah 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 no I agree I I am on the same page Cool, cool. So what are we doing today? So today we're going to do a brief little guy. That's our little um, uh, coming back situation. Now, here's the funny thing. I wrote all of the notes on this a year ago. Six, yeah, six months to a year ago. I've given it a look through. I remember the story. Um, so some parts of this I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to have just as many questions as you do. Cool. That What's it about? Kind of fun. So this is the... Well, actually, how do I explain this? Because it's... Mm, is he okay. a murderer? Is he... There's a murder. There's a suicide. There's a little bit of grossness involved in here. Um, like, gore. I'm not... Yeah, I'm not going to get really gory about it, but there's an element of gore here. And there's also a little bit of the supernatural. And so we've got kind of a mix. I figured we should just come back in with a bit. Let's do it. I'm with you. Okay. Um... So, the date. Put yourself there mentally. October seventeenth, two thousand six. Where were you? I was in third grade or the beginning of fourth grade. That was my favorite year. If it was third grade, I was probably on the playground. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Um, that being said, Zach was not on the playground. Zach is in the La Riviere rooftop pool bar at the Omni Royal Hotel in New Orleans, and that's where he opens up a tap. He stays there for three hours. He's smoking. He's taking shots of Jameson up to the point that he's like pretty drunk. He's pacing and he's nervous. And the bartender decides he's going to keep an eye on him because he looks kind of shifty and just like something is up. Like this man is drinking away some issues. Then all of a sudden, as he's watching him, he watches the man go towards the edge of the rooftop and jump. He lands on a parking garage, five stories down, face up and dies instantly. The police are obviously called to the scene. They find a Ziploc bag with his jeans. Or, nope, a Ziploc bag in his jeans. They <laughs> it's very small. This is this is the story of Stuart Little. <laughs> they find a Ziploc bag inside his jeans. Inside the bag are his dog tags, his military ID, the keys to his apartment, and a note. You want to know what the note says? So he planned this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm going to get super wasted that I don't even remember walking off the ledge. Yeah, probably just to like, you know, prep himself, get himself brave enough to jump. I don't know. Here's what the note says. This is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one that I took. If you send a patrol to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend, Addie, in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge, along with full documentation for the both of us with a signed confession for myself. Zach Cohen. No! Mm-hmm. His girlfriend dismembered in the oven? The oven, the stove, and the fridge. The oven and stove is the grossest thing to me. What, just like it being warm? Yeah. Like you cooking it? Oh. <laughs> For what? That's so gross. Well, the- uh, Yeah, why did he kill his girlfriend? Like, that's rude. Well... <laughs> That's rude. Not nice. If, if there's one thing that this murder was not, it's nice. Yeah. This guy's so sick. let's figure out what the heck happens, right? So they find exactly that scene when they send the patrol car. There are odd messages spray painted on all the walls of the apartment. One of them says, I love my wife. Please call her. And it has a random number on it. Please help me stop this pain. I'm a failure. There's a huge silver spray painted arrow pointing down into the oven where it is showing their legs in a roasting pan hard and black her head is in a large pot on top of the stove this is as gory as it gets i swear her hands and feet are in another uh back burner in a big pot and they've been cooked for a real long time why her torso is wrapped in a black trash bag inside the fridge and then everything else is just splayed out on the counter Here's my thing. If you're mad at yourself that you murdered your wife, 
like you shoot her in the head she's on the ground dead and you're like oh my gosh I suck I just killed her I feel awful why 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 do you take the extra time to like how do you take a body apart well here's the thing this is not his wife no oh wait this is his girlfriend this is his girlfriend but he has it written on the wall I love my wife please call her which we're gonna get to yeah but still like it's your girlfriend it's your side piece whatever why take the extra 50 minutes to saw through their limbs and then put them in cookware these (laughs) I, i don't know we're gonna we're gonna get that. We're gonna get that, that is so twisted. And that it wasn't like anything was eaten. Like it wasn't a cannibalistic thing. Either. Like just be sorry and leave her there. Just be sorry and leave her there. Yeah, like you have that's like next level disgusting to dismember. Mm-hmm. It just takes so much effort and she's like literally gone. Yeah, no, it's gross. I don't love it. So he had the AC blasting to slow the decomposition. Um, the confession letter that's waiting there also is five pages long and it details the entire events leading up to the really gruesome murder. So we're going to backtrack now and we're going to go to little old Zach born in 1978 in California. Um, he is one of two kids. He has an older brother. They end up um, in Seattle, Washington. <laughs> Why do the, the killers all go to Seattle? I don't know. I don't know, Maddie. But killers and the vampires and the werewolves. All of them. Every last one. It's not safe there for anyone. It's not. That's why I left. You I got can... called for jury duty the other day. I don't live there. I got called for jury duty in Pennsylvania, too. You know why? It's because you're still a registered voter in that state. I'm not. Oh. Well, just because you're a registered voter in another state doesn't mean that you're not still registered there. Oh, that's what I found out. The more you know, continue. Okay. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about voting rights maybe later. (laughs) Um, So his parents split up. Lori takes her kids to Santa. uh, This is Santa Maria, but I feel like that might be Santa Monica. Not entirely sure. Um, So as the boys grow up, Zach grows to be 6'10". Man's tall. Real tall, but he's super insecure about it. Um, he is a really popular kid. He runs for homecoming King in 1996 and that's when he doesn't win. And for some reason, this is like the most mortifying experience for him. Um, and so he's so mortified that he just straight up moves to Seattle to live with his dad. Question. Yes. At your high school, did you have to, did you run for homecoming King or queen or did you get nominated? No, you got nominated. Did you run or did you get nominated at your school? I got nominated. I didn't win. Yeah, you get, like, nominated for it. Oh, I thought you were asking me. No, I mean, like, yeah. Is this? I feel like you were homecoming queen. Were you homecoming queen? No, but I appreciate the fact that you thought I was. I thought I thought this whole time, if someone asked me which one of my friends was homecoming queen, I thought it was you. What? Yeah. Who do you think was homecoming queen? Out of all of our friends? Like, if someone asked you, like, oh, in your friend group in college, who- I probably would have said you, so this is- No, but you knew I didn't. I didn't know that. I just found out right now. Oh. I thought you won homecoming. We don't regularly sit around and talk about who was in homecoming court. Yeah, that's, like, horrible. Yeah, I don't want to think about it. No, I wasn't even on the court. Well, there was, like, a million people that went to your high school. There was, like, four at mine. Well, yeah, and whatever. But for some reason, in my brain, I knew you won homecoming queen in high school. You, but you didn't know I won homecoming. Or you got nominated. You didn't. Did I just tell myself that story? I don't know, but honestly, it means you think kind of highly of me, so that's kind of good. Well, I mean, does homecoming king or queen really mean anything? Yeah, it means that you think I'm cool. Oh. Okay, I, I think you're cool. Um, uh, let's move on, shall we? Yeah. We have a beheaded woman at stake here. Um, so he moves to Seattle. And um, whenever he gets there, he decides that he wants to do, like, he's basically having, like, a whole coming-of-age moment. 
And he's like, okay, I'm going to just go on this road trip and find myself. And he decides, he plans out this whole road trip. New Orleans is going to be his final stop. So he is going to go to New Orleans and then come back to Seattle and like settle down and get his life together there. And that's never he would graduate. He decided he wasn't going to finish high school until after he did this whole road trip. Okay. So he gets an apartment in New Orleans, does his road trip with the intentions of like setting, settling down in New Orleans for a couple of months and then going back to Seattle. Um, but then whenever he gets to New Orleans, he's like, shoot, this place is awesome. I actually love it. And I don't want to leave. So he enrolls in school for a little bit, but then that's short lived. Um, so he ends up spending a lot of his time on the French quarter just to like kill time and like find a place and find his people. He ends up getting a job as a bartender. Um, and then that's where he meets a woman named Lena, who he ends up spending time with. Um, it's like this big whirlwind romance sort of situation. I have all these details in here that are really not necessary. What you need to know is that they got together and then they had two kids. And at the point that they have two kids, he calls his brother, Jed, who's in the army. And he's like, hey, I have these kids now. I'm thinking about the military benefits. Like I could really use them. And so he decides that he's going to enlist in 1999 after he gets his GED. So he joins the military on an eight year uh, contract. And at first, everything is going great. He is known as a bright personality. He's super engaging. But unfortunately, as time goes on, military life is weighing on him. So he starts to get really drained. And so on deployment, he um, gives a little Albanian girl a piece of candy while he's overseas. And he finds out the next day that she had been shot and killed for talking to him. Yeah. That messed you up. Yep. So that was like strike number one. Um. So Lena's still in New Orleans and he is on base in Germany and they basically like give him the paperwork to move his whole family over to Germany. Um, so around this time, he, uh, like she moves to Germany where she's diagnosed and with hepatitis C. Oh, yeah. So she gets her to get, starts to get really sick and the kids are like, she can't really take care of them as much anymore. Um, and so he's going in between Germany and Iraq like going back and forth trying to like it just there's a whole lot of there's a lot happening so he puts in a request to stay home with his wife saying like he needs to go on leave and they deny it um so now he's just pissed off about literally anything um and he makes a friend who he gets really close with and then she dies while they're out there in combat so now he's dealing with that too and then icing on the cake, he meets a little Iraqi boy named Rashid. His family owns a convenience store. Rashid brings him Cokes in return for him teaching him some English. So they have this like little bond going on. Um, but word spreads around that Rashid is helping the Americans, even though that's not true, but that's what it was said. And the family store is blown up and the entire family dies. Oh. Gosh. It's like the second time this happens. To this Why day. does he keep talking to people our country's at war with? I don't well, we weren't well for a while we weren't at war with Albania. But like I mean, but we were like helping somebody. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know what we really weren't on Albania's side, is what I'm saying. Like, right, right. Why? I don't I know. I feel like I would never talk to a child ever again. Right, yeah. Like so it, it, yeah, eventually I'm sure lesson learned the hard way so eventually he's like apparently everyone says after this he was like a completely different version of himself yeah very reserved very shut off really starts to worry his wife who is seeing early signs of ptsd yeah so she notices that he's failing his pt test so that they will have to release it he's doing it intentionally because he doesn't want to go awol but he does this and it's obvious that he's doing it so he doesn't get an honorable discharge he is just given a general discharge which means you lose all of your benefits so basically this whole thing was for nothing because he did the whole thing for the benefits so lena has no idea that he was going to do that or that he did it intentionally and so when she finds out she's upset she leaves him with the kids and she goes back to new orleans so zach basically has to go back to square one whenever he goes back to new orleans and he's thinking about how he's going to co-parent with you know whatever but he's like at the end of his rope that's whenever he starts working the graveyard shifts at a bar in the French Quarter again. And that's where he meets Addison Hall, otherwise known as Addie. She's a bartender there too. She's hot-headed and she's spunky and she's fun and she works the day shift. So they kind of just like pass every once in a while and he like flirts with her. 
Um, so spring of 2005, uh, Addie starts flirting back with him and she joins Zach at the bar and they have shots of Jaeger and she tells him all about her life. So Addie was raised in North Carolina by a Vietnam vet. She dropped out of high school to be an artist and travel the country. She's really free spirited, huge personality and lots of friends, but her friends also say that she had a dark side. She drank a lot, like way too much. And not only that, but she was a really angry drunk. So she'd get like belligerent, flip out, especially whenever they would like be out at the bars. She would become physically aggressive when she was drunk. And she also had started to take a liking to Coke. So she was doing Coke pretty regularly too. Um, She's also having a lot of mood swings more frequently around the time that Zach steps into the picture. Um, They said on multiple occasions, she had cracked bottles off of people's heads. Never they would go out. So some of her friends would like not go out with her because she was like, chaotic yeah so these two obviously don't sound like a great pair from the get-go right ptsd and anger problems yeah like just all of it and it sounds like she has ptsd too because they think there's like a lot of sexual abuse involved in her past too so two traumatized people that have not that are both just drinking a lot and can't figure it out so let's make it just a slight just a tad worse hurricane katrina Uh, Uh, right right they decide that they want to stick out the storm and bunk together. So Lena calls Zach as they find out how bad the storm is going to be. And she begs him to come with her and the kids out of state because she wants him to be safe. Um, she says that he can even bring Addie. She's like, I don't care. You're just the father of my children. Like we have to get out of here. And he still says no. So Zach and Addie ride out the storm, even when 80% of the city is underwater. Luckily where they lived wasn't the worst of it, but they were out of electricity And they end up getting really fond of this like scavenger, no electricity lifestyle of like being like gypsies. So they do like campfires and they do canned goods and they're making it work. They're kind of liking it. Um, And so by the time they get back to their bartending jobs, they don't like it now. They're like, they had a taste of this like weird backwoods kind of thing and they don't want to do this anymore. So um, Zach kind of like goes off the deep end and doesn't like interact with his kids anymore and he was known to be like a pretty good dad um he stops answering the phone and so she thinks like he might have died in hurricane katrina is literally like what her thought is so when she finds out that he's still alive she shows up at the door like ready to fight she's like what is wrong with you i thought you were dead yeah um addy doesn't come outside and then is yelling um and zach comes wait addy doesn't come outside while lena is out like banging on the door and she has a baseball bat. So this is, things are going really well. Zach comes home later that day and finds out about Lena. He calls her and tells her that he misses her. And she said like, hey, I can't have you be around the kids if you can't be consistent. So they agree on a custody arrangement for him to have the kids on weekends. Now, Addie, thrilled. She's like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so much fun. We're gonna have sleepovers. We're gonna get the house ready. We're gonna set up a room for them. She does all the stuff. And then the weekend that they come to stay, she spends the entire weekend out on a bender. Um, And not only does this happen the first time, it happens over and over again for the next couple of weekends. And Zach is like, what the hell? You said that you were like excited for this. And now you're, you like keep disappearing and and you're mad that my kids are there. Hmm. Um, So now there's like a feud going on between like, cause now it's like, oh, Addie doesn't like us. The kids are like telling Lena, Addie doesn't like us. And it's this whole thing. So, um, Around the same time, this is a, a detail I forgot, so let's let's see where this takes us. Around the same time, Addie tries to loot an abandoned grocery store and then is attacked by a random man who attempts to sexually assault her. She manages to get away, but because of her previous abuse, this brings back a whole wave of symptoms. Um, she isn't able to refill any of her bipolar medicine that she's on because of Hurricane Katrina, so she's having all these like manic depressive episodes. And he has untreated PTSD. So like things aren't going great and they're experimenting with more drugs. Um, so yeah, things, things are getting wet. Addie becomes super possessive of Zach. Zach starts frequenting the gay bars because he doesn't like to be out at bars where Addie might show up. So she would come and get drunk and get angry and he would be flirtatious. Um, she would come and get, what, the, what am I saying? She would come and get drunk and get angry that he was being flirtatious or that other people would flirt with him. There it is. Okay. Um, 
So now here's where things get a little strange. Going to the gay bar, she ends up like getting really close with a random guy and they like basically end up together. But he's still with Addie. So he refers to himself as a little bi. Um, eventually, Addie, of course, finds out. And they have this huge, explosive fight. She ends up taking his phone and calling everyone in his contacts, telling everyone that he's gay and that he has AIDS. Whoa. And she's deleting the contacts as she goes along so that he can't backtrack and find and like be like, hey, that was me. Whoa. She calls him every slur she can think of. She attacks him physically, and then she leaves. She's like, screw you, bye, I'm out of here. They both crazy. Literally. So after this huge fight, a few weeks later, without fail, Addie calls and she tells him she's about to be homeless and she's desperate. And she said, we should just move in together. It'll be platonic. And then maybe, maybe we could get back together after we save some money. So they get a small apartment over a voodoo temple in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So two days after they move into this house, Addie goes to the landlord yelling and screaming about how Zach is cheating on her and she's going to leave him out of the lease. Now, Zach is the one that paid the first and last month's rent, but the landlord doesn't know that. So he draws up the lease for Addie and just calls it a day, thinking that they were on the same page and they weren't. Five minutes later, Zach calls and clarifies the whole thing and is furious about the way that Addie just swindled him. The landlord doesn't want anything to do with it. So now it's like he refuses to leave the apartment. She refuses to leave the apartment. They're like at a standoff. So they have a huge fight about this the night of October 4th. It goes into the late hours of the night. They're up screaming all night. This is like not the worst of their fights. Like this is like normal. Okay. So this is October 4th. Now skipping quickly. October 5th. Zach runs into a friend while he's out running errands. He tells a mutual friend about how Addie had taken his money and was going off to North Carolina to be with her family indefinitely. Apparently, the night that she had tried to kick him out, they had gotten into a huge fight. He had snapped. He had calmly strangled her, had sex with her dead body, and then passed out next to her. Calmly strangled. Just calm. Yeah, it's something you do super calmly. When you're very well regulated and feeling very chill and cool. So he he calmly strangled her and she died. Mm-hmm. He had sex with her body and then falls asleep. Hold on. Hold on. Gets up. Goes to work. Runs into his friend who told him that morning how terrible, who had told him that morning how terrible he looked. So he runs into his friend and his friend's like, why do you look so bad? And he's like, oh, I just had a really long night. That's it. Which is true. He did have a very long night. In the time that Addie was already dead, he had a family outing with Lena and the kids. Um, and then four days later, he decides what he wants to do with her dead body. So her body's been there for four days. Um, he goes home, dismembers her, cleans the bathroom top to bottom um, because he thought that it would make it easier to dispose if he did in the bathroom. There are rumors that he did, that he didn't engage. Oh, no, stop. Haley, Jesus. There were rumors that he engaged in cannibalism, but he didn't. He didn't eat any parts of her. He was covered in 28 cigarette burns when they autopsied his body. He said in the letter that he had burned himself 28 times for every year that he was a failure. And he's 28. He also expressed a ton of remorse. His last comment was, I scare myself not only by the action of calmly strangling a woman that I have loved for one and a half years, but my entire lack of remorse. I've known forever how horrible of a person I am. Ask anyone. He has $1,500 in cash, so he spends all of it on drugs and booze goes on a bender with the intention of killing himself once the money is gone. Security cameras show the entire event of him throwing his body off of the hotel. (gasps) Now, their relationship was bad, but there's definitely a difference between like a toxic relationship and then, or even like a violent relationship and then having sex with a dead body and and cutting someone up. Yeah, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Like you can... Like, it's bad enough if you murder your wife and just leave her there and you kind of feel bad about it and, like, kind of not. It's a whole other thing to be, like, a necrophiliac Mm -hmm. and then dismember somebody. So people say that everything had changed once they had moved into that apartment. Of, like, their fights were always that bad. Things were always that chaotic. But then once they moved to this apartment, everything got really dark. 
So a previous tenant that lived in that apartment immediately draws a connection, telling police that he thinks the location is not a coincidence. His name is John Boutte. 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 Um, he had lived in different units in the area, so he's their neighbor now, but he used to live in their exact apartment. And he said when he lived there, he had a priest come in and bless it because he said the vibes were so off. He ended up moving when it didn't help. Um, he moved across the courtyard where he could still see the apartment. He said the night of the murder, he swears that he felt this deep sense of foreboding. He'd seen someone standing on the balcony outside the window. Um, but when he went outside to check, no one was there. Um, oh, that, that just yeah. me out. I uh-huh. have literal chills. Yep. So we find out that there was a voodoo temple. It wasn't previously a voodoo temple. And um, the woman who owned the place who had inherited it from her family said that it wasn't, it was like herbal spiritual healing. She said she never conjured any evil spirits, but she said it's within their, I guess you could say their religion, their practice to like, you can do that. And she said she can't say for sure that other people didn't do that. She just never cheated it. No. Mm -hmm. Um. And then there's this other thing, and I want to read it, but I am so confused by what I wrote that I'm concerned that it won't make sense. But um, in June 2012, the case gets sparked up again because another young woman in New Orleans is murdered and dismembered. That woman is one of Addie Hall's best friends. Huh? Uh-huh. But yeah. it's not the guy, because he did... Because he's dead, right? But did well. Here's this part too. June seventh, two thousand twelve. A woman's corset washes up in Mississippi. That we find out is her friend Jara Lockhart, who um, had severed limbs and a decapitated head. Um. Now Terry speaks and Margaret Sanchez. They're a couple who they were friends with. They were all of like a group of them. They were all friends, and they end up, they're the last people to see her alive. They're both arrested one week after the murder um, because I guess they had enough evidence to pin them somehow. So on July 4th, an ABC special comes out about Zach and Addie's story. Who's one of the main subjects being interviewed to talk about Addie? Margaret Sanchez, the one who is now accused of murdering Jara, Jara. There's this, these names are confusing me. So this has been taped about a year before. Margaret on the documentary goes into details about her friendship with Addie. She imagines what's going through Zach's head, but there isn't any evidence that Margaret is linked to Addie's death in any way. So they're wondering if it was like a ritual sacrifice situation. Hmm. On the night of the murder, there was a rare astrological event called Venus Transit. It's related to the ancient Mayans which as we know, 2012 was the whole Mayans end of the world, whole disastrous thing anyways. So um, this is supposed to be quote unquote, the last ever Venus transit that was supposed to happen because if the world ended in 2012. Um, In emails back and forth, Terry and Margaret had talked about the Venus transit and there isn't any other evidence that points to them having like planned a murder for it. Dara had been killed with a single stab wound to the heart and then the cutting up was done after Terry um, and Margaret both had some severe mental health issues of borderline personality disorder, a past suicide attempt, bipolar. Um, so there's there's lots that goes on there. Apparently, that uh, has not been has not been solved. So the voodoo rumors still continue. On the 10 year anniversary of the death, the show Paranormal Lockdown travels to the house for 72 hours to investigators lock themselves in the apartment. And their findings are inconclusive. No. No. A lot of people dabble in that. A lot. There's a lot of dabbling. I don't know. Do we think there's a spiritual element? Do we think they just went crazy? Or he went crazy? I feel like that type of New Orleans spiritual stuff is real. Oh, I think so, yeah. So that, I mean, I believe that the vibes were off. I, I, I'd have to, it feels like there might've been something dark, but maybe I feel like it was like the perfect storm. 
I also am slightly afraid of ex-military. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you see the worst of the worst. Yeah, just because you get so traumatized and you've also potentially wore down the, what's it called? Like, I've never killed somebody. If I killed someone, I would never be able to get over it. Oh, like desensitized? Yes, that's a word. But if you if you have to do that and mm-hmm. you're in spaces where you do that, you get desensitized to... Yeah, like you don't have another option. It's how you survive is to desensitize. Yeah, and I think that might, like that part of flipping the switch... That's true. I didn't think of that. Freaks me out a little. Yeah. I could see that being an issue. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's why it could go past just the murder into something weirder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really feel anything when I just calmly choke her out. Oh, scary. So scary. Yeah. So that's Zach and Addie. Well, that's terrifying. I just really, this is going to be gross. So if you hate gross, just fast forward. But I hate the imagery of a woman's legs in a pot don't i hate it I were hate they it. upside down were they feet <laughs> in <laughs> the gorgeous walking gotcha oh sorry not sorry sponsored by burger king coca-cola why why did you just come in so like dead silent with the sole purpose to scare you. Did you really? Was that actually the intention was to be scared? Yeah. I. It worked because we were literally talking about the grossest thing. It didn't help that I was like this. So I didn't see him coming in, I guess. You, you are like stunned. You haven't recovered. You have like a look on your face like you're still processing your life. Because when I looked over, he was not just in the doorway. He's in the middle of the room, like closer to me. That's terrifying. And I normally our front door squeaks. I'm good. You're bad. The other day, <laughs> I tried to scare him because he scares me a million times every day. And I was hiding in this room. And he was walking around the apartment. He's like, my love hello where are you and then I could tell he started getting scared that like something happened to me so I felt really bad you know you've got to buck up I couldn't do it remember that one time that Corey had scared me like I've never been scared before at your apartment no whenever he jumped out from the laundry area of your apartment and I literally almost pooped myself do you remember that no did he say no he said no Corey, I thought it was a bond you and I had. Oh my gosh, that just shook me up. Yeah, that was, that was. You're talking about literal. I literally was in the middle of saying, do you think her feet were in the pot or they were sticking out of the pot whenever he decided to scare you? (laughs) I didn't even hear you say that. I hope nobody's wearing headphones. Um, I think they were sticking out of the pot. I think so too. I think so too. Ugh. I know I don't love it so yeah I'm really glad we're back with all the gore um I have a really really good case I want to do next time that suicide man what been in my it? apartment complex yeah that I forgot that happened in your apartment complex yeah when we first moved in like two weeks later a bunch of cop cars were over here because a guy and a girl and a guy they were married and they lived in the apartment no they lived in a house then they had problems so she was living in an apartment here and then he drove over here to her apartment shot and killed her got in his car drove back to his house and then shot himself in the backyard killed and they didn't even discount our rent (laughs) (laughs) you guess things you don't say out loud (laughs) well hey I don't really want to live in an apartment complex that someone got murdered in. (laughs) I wonder if anyone moved out. The sad part is that whoever lives in there now has no clue. 
Oh, do they not have to disclose that? You don't have to disclose that. Ew. Yeah. It's like part of the thing, part of the things you can protect, I guess. And maybe, yeah, with renting, it's probably different because I guess in buying, I don't think you- No, buying, you don't have to tell them either. Wait, what? Yeah, I'm, I'm like almost positive. Well, you're probably right. I mean, I don't know, but- Maybe there's a difference between- I at least know you don't have to tell them if they die of old age, but that's still a dead person in the house. Yeah, but I would be like, somebody was like, oh yeah, you could buy this house to 90 year old that owned it died. I wouldn't be as freaked out as like- I would. Really? People die in houses all the time. Yeah, that's scary. Well, their dead body isn't there. Yeah, but you don't know, like if they died in their recliner and no one checked in on them for four weeks and their body just rotted in their home. Is the house okay? It has decomposing flesh smell embedded into the walls. Bro, if it smells, I'll put it, I'll get a candle. You're on your own. I, we already said we're not living together. I can't live with you, so. Well, thank God. Thank God, because <laughs> you don't want to live in the house. Of a- I don't want to live with the dead body, okay? You, I won't be living with a dead body. You might. No, <laughs> that's not how that works. They don't have to tell you. You'll never know. And there could have been a girl with her feet in a pot on the stove that oh. you're now cooking your chicken in. But that's different. See, if it's a violent murder, that scares me. Yeah, I wonder if there's a difference on what you can or don't have to disclose on. I feel like you should have to say if there was a murder. <laughs> if anyone knows to our couple listeners. There's a, if there's a ritualistic killing, they should tell you. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Well, probably gone over time already, but that was nasty. Yeah, so that was kind of gross. Really glad we did that. Um, hey guys, hope you didn't miss us too much. Um, we'll be back with another episode at a later undisclosed date. <laughs> exactly. But it's good to be back, okay? Hey. Good to be back, guy. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, love you. Oh, wait, we're hanging up too? No. Okay. I love you. Oh, to other people. No, you. Love bye. you.